0: The book of Luke, of course, is one book of 66 books in the Bible. The Bible is uh, given to us with one book with 66 books inside. The first 39 were written before Jesus came. The last 27 were written after Jesus went back to heaven. The main theme of the Bible is how can sinners who do things wrong, who think things wrong, who say things wrong every day, be reconciled with a God who's never done anything wrong? He's holy and we're not. He's not willing that anyone be separated from Him, but we got issues, and we must go into eternity with a covering of uh, either our own payment, which would be separation from God, or the payment God provided in His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the Christmas story. Uh, The song they just sang, the greatest uh, Christmas tree is the cross. It was there. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was spilled He, the innocent, dying for us, the guilty, and giving us hope of eternal life, giving us a payment for sin, giving us peace that uh, with God through His sacrifice. It's a wonderful thing. I love the Christmas story, and I'm very thankful about it. More is known about the Christmas story from the book of Luke than any other book of our Bible. Luke was definitely a go-getter. He was a medical medical doctor by, by trade. And he researched, and uh, he uh, worked really hard to find out all information. He gives us stories about shepherds that the other folks do, the other, the other, the gospels do not. He gives us lots of things about the early math of the uh, the Christmas story with Zacharias and Elizabeth. He tells us he's writing to a man named Theophilus, someone who loves the Lord, who is a wealthy man in the Roman Empire most likely. He may have financed uh, Dr. Luke to follow around the Apostle Paul and take care of him and finance maybe the writing of the book of Luke and the book of Acts. He definitely loved the Lord, and, uh, and uh, Luke addresses these two letters, Luke and Acts, to him. And I'm very thankful that he did that. it shows me people using their spiritual gifts for the Lord. He introduces to Zacharias and Elizabeth. They are of the tribe of Levi. They're priests of that time. And God comes to them. They had uh, lived together. They had a good reputation before God. They said they were righteous in the sight of God, both of them. By the way, if you're a wife, be righteous in the sight of God. If you're a husband, be righteous in the sight of God. Get on the same page. Say, Pastor, how can me and my spouse get on the same page? Uh, Aim your direction toward the same God. (laughs) And you're going to come together. If you're down here and your spouse is over here and you're going to the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll naturally come together uh, in that way. Well, they were righteous before the Lord, but they carried a burden. Their burden was they shared the marital love for many decades without children and found out that she was not going to have kids. It It passed that time of life. But God miraculously came to her husband Zacharias in his duty as a priest through the angel Gabriel and said, "You're going to have a baby, and you're going to name him John." And uh, he went ahead and received that. He argued about it. Said, "How could that possibly be?" It Looks like Gabriel kind of got a little fired up with him and said, "You need a sign. I'm going to make you speechless until that baby comes." And Some people believe he was just mute, was not able to communicate. Some believe he was mute and deaf because they had to sign to him uh, what to to call his name. So it may be in both of those, but at least he could not speak for at least probably about 10 months. The Bible is telling us now, and of course, during that time, they went back home and the baby was conceived and uh, Elizabeth stayed kind of at home for five months. At the same time, the angel of the Lord came to a young lady named Mary. She was espoused, or she was already engaged, had done her marriage vows, but had not consummated their marriage physically. And they uh, were waiting to get married when the Spirit of God says, you have been the one God has chosen to carry the Christ child. And so he, uh, the Holy Spirit of God overshadowed her, and she Uh, conceived a baby, told her husband. Her husband was very concerned about it, didn't understand what was going on until that same angel went to him and told him uh, that he, uh, it was okay to marry her, but it was common knowledge that she was uh, having a baby outside of wedlock in her community. Nonetheless, they continued on, and they were of the, they, they, uh, she left that news, and she accepted that her life would be a lot different now carrying a baby who would be the Messiah. She said, be it unto me according to thy word. By the way, when life throws you a little bit of a a curveball or things are not exactly the way you had planned, and no doubt her trajectory of her future changed drastically at that announcement. She accepted what God had for her. By the way, that's a good thing for all of us to do, to accept God's Plan for our life, even though it may not be as comfortable and as desired as other things may be or thoughts we might have had, she accepted it. Number two, she went to someone who could give her godly influence. You know, oftentimes when people have a difficult time, they find their way to people that cannot really help them biblically, they cannot help them spiritually. They put their stuff out there on social media. They're they're, they're they're getting advice from people that really do not have a biblical mindset. She went to Elizabeth, and she knew that Elizabeth had already had a special thing. The angel told her that. She went, spent time with her for three months, maybe until she had the baby. And um, they, they ministered to one another, and then she praised the Lord for what God had given her. Even though she had more questions than answers, it's very good to thank God for His purposes in our life. It's better to thank Him than to fight Him. Our arms are too short to box with God. And uh, let's receive Him, let's love Him, let's trust Him. He is our God and He does all things well. She did that. Well, now the Bible picks up with the story. Uh, she goes back home to, uh, to her, her um uh, Nazareth to meet up with Joseph. And during that time, uh, jo- J- John the Baptist is born. Elizabeth is now past the age and when she would uh, have, normally have children, but the baby comes. The baby comes and the Bible tells us that her cousins or her fa- relatives came around. They were so excited for her and they figured they were going to name the boy after his dad, Zacharias. They were going to call him Junior. I'm not, I'm not sure about that right there. But nonetheless, they thought, oh, this is so great. we got to name him after Zacharias. But Elizabeth heard that and said, no, not so. His name is going to be John. John, there is no name like that in your family. Why would you call him John? And they said, well, go ask his dad. He probably has a different idea. He wants a Junior, not a John. I love the name John except when they refer to it as the bathroom. That gets on my nerves. I don't like that. Don't ever do that, all right? The word John means, uh, Jehovah hath given. It's given by God. And it's a, it's a beautiful name, and that's for the name that they gave there, but, but they did not expect Zacharias to come up with that. And they signed to him, maybe in sign language, what's the name? What's the name of your, of your boy? Your son, what are you going to call him? What's the name? And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote out the name John. They were surprised that both mama and daddy agreed that his name, they didn't get to pick the name. The name was picked by God, and they named him John. But when he came, the word got out. Everybody decided, and we talked a little bit about this on Wednesday night, but just a reminder, something very important about a name. And the name that God gave you is a name that you need to make good. The Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor than silver and gold. Your testimony is very important. When your name is spoken, people say honest, deceitful, lazy, diligent, loving, mean, hating. I I don't know. Stingy, giving. On time, always late. Someone comes up with something whenever your name is said. BENEVOLENT OR CRITICAL. COMPLIMENTING. OUR NAME IS VERY IMPORTANT. AND YOU NEED TO LIVE UP. AND REALLY, YOUR NAME IS YOURS. YOUR REPUTATION IS YOURS TO KEEP. AND, YOU KNOW, YOU CAN'T KEEP ACCUSATIONS FROM com- from BEING THROWN YOUR WAY, BUT YOU CAN KEEP THEM FROM BEING TRUE. <laughs> WE OUGHT TO HAVE A GOOD NAME. AND THE BIBLE SAYS A GOOD NAME IS RATHER BE CHOSEN THAN GREAT RICHES. I WANT YOU TO NOTICE REAL QUICKLY, LET'S GO BACK TO OUR SECTION IN, in LUKE CHAPTER 1 if you would please. Verse number, verse number 63. And he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, his name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God. It sounded kind of interesting. This was eight days after his son was born. So I thought, my thought was, is as soon as Zacharias's boy was born, he would be able to speak. But, uh, Jewish people did not name their child until eight days later uh, upon his circumcision, and his name would be given to him. But he had a baby boy, but he still is mute, potentially deaf. But it was when he named his son John that, uh, that God gave him the ability to speak again. Now, I just want to say this to you. I don't understand all exactly why that's the case. Here's what I would say. To name his son John was, an ans- was a command of the Lord. And he obeyed fully. He obeyed. And obedience gives liberty. Obedience gives freedom. The Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. I think sometimes we spend too much time fighting with God and his word and his ways. When we need just to obey. There's a beautiful song we sing sometimes in this room right here trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in jesus but to trust sometimes you cannot fix the circumstance around you but you know what you can do you can trust god and obey him you can trust him when things are not well and when you don't agree with what's going on and you can't fix anything you can still trust god and obey him. You know, when God saw the obedience of Zacharias, he did exactly what he said. He opened his mouth and allowed him to speak. When he began to speak, it was a miraculous thing, and the word got out. Would you look at the next verse, if you would, please? We're looking at verse number 65. And fear or respect came upon all that dwelt around about them. And all these things, uh, all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. Whenever... A man obeyed the Lord, and a woman obeyed the Lord, and God did sweet things in their life and honored them. Uh, Because of their obedience, the word got out. You know, the truth of the matter is, young people, old people, Christian people, who do the right thing the right way for the right reason, according to God's dictates, will have a testimony and an influence to those around them. The word will get out. He was just one of many people in in that region. And yet everybody in Judea, when they saw what God did with this man, Zacharias, and his wife, uh, uh, Elizabeth, and their boy, and they saw the obedience of God and God's blessing on them, the word got out. I'm just telling you, friend, I think that's true today. I think if you and I will learn to live for God, he'll give us freedom and liberty and peace. And I think the word will get out. There's something different about that lady. There's something different about that man. There's something different about that family, that couple. They're not the run of the meal. Something, God's hand is upon them. God is helping them. I want that testimony for you, and I quite frankly want it for me. I'd like to have it for Linda. I'd like to have it for my kids. For each of them, and for the married kids, and for the single kids, I want them, I want their lives to be so distinctively honored by God that everybody in the world cannot do anything but just say, wow, how? It's a beautiful testimony. This couple caused the whole community to say, man, something special about them. You know, the world about us may not agree or understand, but they can respect You, if you will live in such a way that will glorify the Lord. And when God visits them, they'll be much more ready to accept the truth of God's Word, if they can see it in you. Our former pastor, Brother Hiles, would quote a poem. God chose to use our hands to do His work today. He chose to use our feet to lead others in their way. He chose to use our life to show people about how Christ died. We're the only gospel this careless world will read. We're the sinner's gospel. We're the scoffer's creed. We're the Lord's last message given in deed and word. What if our type is crooked? What if the print is all blurred? When they look at us, they don't see a real testimony of Jesus Christ. They just see me in my raw human form. They don't see me being the example God wants me to be. He said, then we'll we'll oftentimes complicate the gospel message. I love the fact that when God worked in a person's life, that those around them could figure that out. They didn't understand everything, but they do. That uh, the the news traveled abroad. That ought to be the case for all of us. I want that to be the case. It ought to be the case in your workplace. It ought to be the, the case in your neighborhood. Do whatever you have to do. This week, we... I have a sweet uh, we have sweet neighbors. I think I know all of them by name. we care about them. We're not as close to all of them as I'd love to be. but this week we had a situation where uh, someone came to visit us and they blocked off their driveway and my boss might not my boss, but my neighbor came over and said, "Hey, uh, I can't get in my driveway. I've got some people from your house that are blocking in." And I said, "You know what I'm so sorry. Can I get that taken care of?" And I apologize and we sent over a peace offering. <laughs> uh, to let them know that, we, that we're that we sorry, that we've complicated our neighborhood and their lives and them coming home from work and not be able to get in their driveway. But you know, the truth of the matter is, it's important to me because it's not about me, it's not about them, it's about Him. It's about God's Word. Now, we're not always the greatest example in that, but we ought to be good neighbors, good, good testimonies in our community. Look, if you would please, at the next passage of Scripture, and let's continue reading verse 66. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? He said, This kid's going to be special. Would you read the rest of the verse with me? And the hand of the Lord. I'd like to encourage you, ask God for His hand upon your life. You know, everybody, man, woman, young, old, single, married, all of us ought to want to have the hand of God upon our life. I won't take the time right now but maybe you can put in your margin the verse of scripture 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 10. In 1 Chronicles 4:10 is a prayer of a fella whose name was Jabez. His name meant sorry because his mother had him at a very difficult time in her life that she wasn't on top side and she named him after that difficult season of her life. Aren't you glad your mother didn't name you sorry? <laughs> What's your name? Sorry. Oh, really? Yeah, my mom was having a hard time when I was born. He had other br- brothers and other sisters that seemed to be, have a better, a better step in life. But the Bible says that he was more honorable than his brothers. His name was Jabez. And you know why he was more honorable? Because he had enough humility and enough wisdom to go to God and ask him for four things. He said, God, 1 Chronicles 4.10, Would you bless me indeed? I KNOW I DON'T DESERVE TO BE BLESSED, BUT WOULD YOU CHOOSE TO BLESS MY LIFE? THAT'S A GREAT PRAYER REQUEST. HE SAID, BLESS ME A LOT, BECAUSE GOD CAN DO EXCEEDINGLY ABUNDANCE OF ALL WE WOULD ASK OR THINK. HE SAID, WOULD YOU BLESS ME A LOT? HE SAID, NUMBER TWO, IF YOU BLESS ME, WOULD YOU ENLARGE MY COAST? WOULD YOU GIVE ME GREATER OPPORTUNITIES IN MY LIFETIME TO DO uh, THINGS FOR YOU? WOULD YOU GIVE ME MORE OPPORTUNITIES? ALL OF US OUGHT TO ASK THE LORD, God. Bless me, but bless me so that I can do more and have more to do with. That's a good prayer request. He said, Lord, if you bless me a lot and you enlarge my coast, number three, would you please keep your hand on me? Would you let your hand be upon me? Would you hold my hand through life? Because if I'm going to be used of you and you're going to give me more, I'll need more of you to help me. Well, all of us ought to pray that. And then he said, Lord, would you keep me from doing dumb stuff? Would you keep me from evil that it doesn't grieve me? Let me just tell you, friend, sin complicates life. Sin is the world's greatest detective. It always gets its man. And the thing about John the Baptist is so beautiful is that he he was a young man that the Bible says the Lord had his hand on. Boy, what a better mom you would be if the hand of God was upon you. What a better dad you would be. Better husband, a better son. Got a couple soldiers over here. You'd be a better soldier, Chad, uh, Chaz and, and Chandler, if the hand of God was upon you. Wherever it is, whatever we do in our life, I'd be a better pastor if the hand of God were upon me. Let's ask God, Lord, please put your hand upon me. I think it's an important thing. In closing, I want to take you, if you continue down the chapter, look at verse number 67. And the father of Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, By the way, it would be good if every, every child had a Holy Spirit filled dad. If every child had a Holy Spirit filled mom. Someone who led them to the things of God. Remember, years ago, there was a lady, a girl, and She was was raised without the knowledge of God. And as she was dying, her mom and dad said, Hold on, honey, hold on. Her brother came in and said, Hold on, sister. Don't go into eternity. Hold on. And in, in exaggeration, exasperation, she said, I don't have anything to hold on to. Because she was raised without that that anchor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without a spirit-filled mom or dad. If 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 you're a Christian, boy, ask God, put your hand on me and let me be a spiritual mom and dad, a husband, wife, a neighbor, friend. Look at the next verse, if you would, please. 68, 69. Chapter 1, the Bible says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. He hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As Zacharias will go into a prayer of praise. They call it the Benedictus. Just like uh, the magnificent is what uh, Mary prayed. He prays a prayer. And generally you know, focuses his prayer not on his son, but on his Savior. If you're raising children, raise them for Jesus. Raise them to love and care about the things of Christ. The best thing you can do for your child is focusing them on the person of Christ. You're not going to be around forever. I remember picking out a, a casket for my dad when he passed away. I thought my dad, he was, he was strong. He was sick a little bit, but I thought, nah, he'll, he'll beat everything. He didn't beat everything. No, he fell to death, and all of us will. Long after your dad and mom are gone, their child will still need Jesus. And he focused his heart on Jesus. I want to encourage you, moms and dads, do whatever you can to bring Christ into the life of your child. I believe you'll be glad you did that. Lots of things we can learn. I want to encourage you to continue to read Luke chapter 1 and maybe Luke chapter 2 as we continue our study on this.